Welcome back to the Pacific Rim Pro Wrestling Podcast, the uh, podcast that takes you from Seattle to Tokyo and all points throughout history in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Jim Valley, longtime fan, uh, former journalist, uh, former guy with the torch, and uh, joining me from Tokyo, Japan, all the way across the Pacific Rim, that's why we call it the Pacific Rim Podcast, uh, one of the most respected voices, journalists, and historians anywhere in the world of professional wrestling, Fumi Saito. Hello. Hi, from Tokyo. Yes. Good, good. It's Tuesday afternoon here in Tokyo. Monday so, night over there, right? No, no. Monday afternoon over here. Yeah. Then you were Sunday night, right after Clash of Champions. We just watched Clash of Champions. What did I you saw th- delay. Yes. What did you think? Oh, I thought it was a really good show. Actually, it was a little shorter than normal pay-per-view because it was uh, two hours and 40 minutes or so. But uh, the main event, I think that was Jinder Mahal's best performance thus far. That's true. Yeah, as far as single match goes and uh, how they built the match and uh, injured ribcage of AJ Styles and uh, that really, you know, Jinder Mahal worked a really smart wrestling match tonight. You know, told the story, everything. I will say this. Jinder Mahal, it was his best match. And... um, you know he's had some very bad matches. I'm I'm not going to dispute that. I'm not going to say that I am a fan or anything like that. But I will say, for carrying himself like a star, and yes. for, and for facial expressions, I think he excels in those two areas. And those are often for casual fans two of the most important areas of wrestling is to be yes. able to carry yourself and then express yourself facially in the match. Those are for casual fans. Those are bigger deals. I think than people who are really into wrestling realize. And I will yeah, give him very high put. grades on that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he looks like a star. Yeah. Yeah. And by all yeah, that accounts, was a real good match. You know, he's from Calgary, and uh, I have uh, fan- friends that I know who wrestle out of uh, Vancouver in the Northwest, and they know him very well. I've I've never met him, but mm. they all say to a man that he is a really good guy, and he's they're very happy for his success. So I give him that. And also his coach, Jerry Morrow. Yes. Uh, he was one of the uh, Canadian wrestlers who came here and lived here and spoke Japanese. And he had Japanese ring name, Jiro Inazuma. Jerry Morrow. Wait. Yeah, he was, yeah. Jerry Morrow could speak Japanese. Japanese fluent, yes. Jerry Morrow could barely speak English. That's that's amazing (laughs) to me. Really? Really? His interviews were terrible. Oh, okay. That's so funny to uh, me. Older Japanese fans, like you have to be older than late 40 or into, yeah. you know, you're like my age, 50, that he came here and lived and worked for IWE, International Wrestling Enterprise, that's the third company, not all Japan, not New Japan, but when they had IWE, he was one of the guys who came here and lived in Dojo and learned the language, learned English, and we remember him. We, we, we have real fond memory on Jiro Inazuma, who really is Jerry Morrow. Champagne and, Jerry uh, Morrow. Yeah, and today's superstar Jinder Mahal being trained by Jerry Morrow, Japanese fans have, almost have soft spot for him now. Yeah. Do that? Do that many fans know that he was trained by uh, Jinder Mahal? Uh, um, Jerry Morrow? On, 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 only real hardcores. Yeah. 
yeah, like almost like a useless trivia. But uh, if you know this, you know, uh, oh, this guy's trained by Jerry Morrow. Oh, wow, I like him. Kind of like that. So there's spec <laughs> right now online on Twitter. If you look at Twitter, there's there's a couple of things. One, there are people who are upset that they saw Nakamura in the tag team match as yeah. an after effect. Um, before we get into the results of the tag team match, the way I want to tie this into the main event, the title match, is yeah. there is speculation that one of the potential opponents for AJ Styles at WrestleMania is Nakamura. Okay. What, what do you think? Do you think that's a possibility? Yeah, but it, it that it could be possibility it. always, always. But the way he Nakamura was used in this tag team match tonight, he had a very not so important role. Right. You know? And fans you are know, upset about that. He was not involved upset. in finish. Right, at all. Yeah. I forgot he was there. Right, almost. He just got splashed on the table and you're supposed to lay there until the match is over, right? Yeah, it almost. So, Hello. But I mean, yeah. what do you think about the possibility of, of uh, maybe they're saving Nakamura and they'll heat him up after the new year? To, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he faces AJ well, at the Royal the Rumble or WrestleMania. AJ, AJ Styles against Nakamura and then they have to do something in January. Yeah. They have to. Yeah, it looks like AJ Styles will be holding the title pretty long time, right? It does. Yes, to to have that match, you know, the title match against Nakamura. Nakamura once again has had you know have to be elevated. So I'm beginning to see him in WWE though as as like an Intercontinental guy. I think he's going to get like one of those titles. Uh, that's too early, too early, because he is limited in interviews, obviously. So he either he needs Paul Heyman kind of, you know, spokesperson, or become wrestler who doesn't do interviews. You know, so it's kind of a. Hmm. But to be able to have that title match mean something for the WrestleMania, as a title match is you have to mean something, right? He needed to be elevated again, I think. We shall but, see. Yeah, but January 28th, Philadelphia is Royal Rumble, right? But they were showing this January 16th mix match challenge Facebook new program. You know, did, did you see that? Yeah. Yeah, so that's like the new media thing that uh, somebody, uh, some wrestler, some superstar has to be in there as a focal point of your mix match challenge or the you know new media program or something. Somebody will be elevated among that. You know, with, with it's a new media thing, right? So, so they're making such a, you know, a lot, a lot of programs. This commercial during the, during the pay per view program today. So people has to kind of notice what's mixed match challenge January sixteenth. Something's gonna happen. Facebook, what? That's like uh, two weeks before Royal Rumble. So some they must be doing something new, in, you know, for this. Yeah. So you think there'll be a we'll big angle speculate. coming out of it? Out of it, yes, yes, yes. Because they're using <laughs> more and more social media, even during Raw and SmackDown, you know, 
that uh, you know wrestlers, superstars were actually tweeting, and the two superstars, you know, having conversation on Twitters that people are supposed to be reading and being updated every day. Not just Monday and Tuesday, but during the week, they almost run angle out of it. So let so, me ask you this. Yeah. Um, New Japan has emulated WWE when it comes to things like New Japan World and the pricing and the structuring for mm. New Japan World. They've done other things that have sort mm-hmm, of emulated mm-hmm. the WWE business model. What do you think the yeah. odds are that you will see New Japan emulate this mixed max match challenge? I don't even know what mixed match challenge means. It's it's, uh, it's men and women tagging together. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Intergender. Yeah. New Japan probably wouldn't do intergender matches here, though. But do you see them leveraging maybe doing matches or doing a show on Facebook or any sort of social media platform? Social media, yes. Yes. More wrestlers are encouraged to have their own Twitter going and, you know, update your opinions and uh, even run storyline or start running angle between two wrestlers on Twitters and stuff like that. So they'll be using a lot of me, you know, the, the social media from now on. And New Japan is about the only company in Japan that uh, the official website uses Facebook linking and Twitter linking and all those things. So they're pretty updated on that, I think. But I'm not sure about the intergender tag team, no? Well, they'd have to they'd have to bring some women in, but that's a different story for the Oh yeah, the but the Japanese fans <clears throat> look at intergender tag team match very differently though. I'm not a yeah. fan, but that's that's just me. Right, right. But right. I'm glad that I mean Yeah, I'm we'll see what happens, yes. It's not but I the don't, tag I don't... team match was really interesting, no? I'm talking about the Randy Orton, Shinsuke Nakamura against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn Texan. Yeah, that was fun. There very was, there was some well good wrestling. booked, right? Yeah, very well. I thought there was some good good wrestling and good storyline yeah. stuff. Oftentimes, you sacrifice one for the other sometimes, particularly in WWE. Mm-hmm. But I thought mm-hmm. they did both here. Right. And almost, and almost hinted Shane being heel. Thought Shane was Don't the heel. Think? I thought I thought Daniel Bryan was because Daniel Bryan helped the heels, didn't he? Yeah, but the referee Shane McMahon. Suppose you are referee and you are supposed to, you know, have match right down the middle. If you are a referee, he is the first one to stop the count, giving people idea that the Sami Sami Zayn almost pinned. Randy Orton and with Schoolboy and Shane McMahon is the one who stopped the count. Very heel thing to do. You know, when when Randy Orton did the RKO and almost won, then Shane McMahon goes one, two, three. Um, Daniel, Daniel Bryan just, you know, running to Shane is almost, it, it was an accident because Kevin Owens pushed him, right? Right. Daniel Bryan didn't really stop Shane's count on purpose. Well, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Oh, well, yeah. So that was the... We are the perfect fans. All the fans should be talking like this. That's what was designed for. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, we are doing the perfect wrestling fans right now. 
that the, yes, Shane is heel. No, Shane wasn't heel. Daniel Bryan turned heel. This and this. It ended the match. Daniel Bryan did the fast much count. Questions. Daniel Bryan did the fast count and left with At the, the heels. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, Shane McMahon is the first one to do the unfair judgment that he stopped the count on purpose. Yeah, but <laughs> it's he's... all right. We're we're the perfect wrestling it's, fans. It's... So do you think? So do... let me ask you this: then. So Shane for... screwed. You you think that Shane's going to be the bad guy in all this? Oh, I don't know. That uh, it's going to take you know like an, until WrestleMania, you know to know any of this because basically commissioner Stephanie McMahon is heel and Kurt Angle general manager is babyface for Raw and Smackdown Shane McMahon commissioner can be heel and Daniel Bryan is always people's champion uh, GM basically basically okay now there's speculation though that yeah. you know Daniel Bryan's contract is up what in October or something like that I believe another yeah. year or so. Um, there's speculation that WWE wants to turn him heel. So if the chances that he leaves, in theory, and I'm not saying how effective this would be, but the theory is that he would then be less popular, or it may affect his popularity, or at least that's what they're attempting. I mean, to leave do. the company to have a wrestling match. Correct. I don't believe in that altogether. He will not have another match. You know, risking his injury, neck injury, you know? Yeah, I don't want to see him I, wrestle. He's got a dog. No, I don't, believe, yeah, I don't believe he'll be wrestling another wrestling match. I don't think. So it's a very, uh, um, that speculation, I wouldn't agree, you know? that He's not going to have another wrestling match. And by not having another wrestling match, he remains being pretty special, you know, too. That he is a guy uh, who gave up on wrestling because of the own, you know, his own safety and also um, that those injury is real bad thing, you know. That you know, to have somebody on the wheelchair is. Don't even want to think about it, right? Well, clearly, yeah, because yeah, clearly this is going to be some sort of main event at WrestleMania. Clearly, in some way, whether it's involving building... Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon and Sami Zayn and probably Randy Orton, even I, I could. Oh, see... I mean, and Daniel Bryan. Definitely, I think the key players are Shane and, and Kevin Daniel o... Bryan. Well, and Kevin Owens, but Daniel Bryan as well. But I think as far as wrestling goes. I think yeah. Randy Orton, maybe, possibly, if he's not yeah. challenging AJ Styles. I mean, they do like Randy a lot, and he is a big star. So, I mean, I could see him as a potential challenger at WrestleMania for the title. I mean, that's certainly a possibility as well in my mind. I mean, against who? Against AJ. Oh, maybe. <coughs> All right. Okay, okay, okay. But we're, you know, but, we're not going to see anything take shape until January. Yeah, but this, this storyline is rather complicated one. You know, you know uh, because Daniel Bryan as GM will always be sympathetic to Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn because of their upbringings in wrestling. Those three were very similar, very similar. 
Daniel Bryan was always told that uh, you are too short. You know, you're talented athletes, great wrestlers, great attitude, good person, but he will be too small to become WWE superstar. Then he went against all odds and he won it. He became superstar. Same um, as Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn was told, you are not made to be WWE superstar. Kevin Owens always told, you are too fat and too ugly to be WWE superstar. All those guys are very, very talented wrestlers, right? Then share this independent, you know, scene and all days. It's not a storyline. It's reality. So it's natural that Daniel Bryan, GM, will always be sympathetic to Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. It's a lot of truth to it. Don't you think? Yeah, of course. Um, You know, another possibility is is maybe Daniel Bryan, they're going to clear him. Uh, Maybe we don't know about it or something. And maybe to be safe, they'll do some sort of six-man tag with the participants that we saw tonight at WrestleMania. Um, Yeah, I just don't think Daniel Bryan will be in ring wrestling again. I just don't think that. I don't think so either, but I'm just throwing out possibilities in the off chance that it does happen, that maybe they'll be on the safe mm-hmm. side. And that that could be a possibility. And also it saves that single match for further down the road as opposed to, you know, doing it right out of the gate and, you know, keeping it special. Mm. Oh, if he does wrestle or be in the ring, even for tag team situation, it will be very, very, very special. Yes. Yeah. But I just vote for not, him not wrestling, <laughs> you know. Anything yeah. else we should talk okay. about on the on the paper? Uh, yeah, important? but it was so well done, though, because this tag team match was. I learned so much from it. You know, it's not simple betraying somebody, betraying or double crossing. Everything was subtle, you know. So it was really, really good. Yeah. But not so much that. What do you think? No, I loved uh, it. Like I said, I thought it was a great combination of action and also yeah. some storyline. So I thought that was that yeah, was And plus, uh, the commentators were saying that the Shane lost on his own game. Yeah. They, they still have their jobs. So that uh, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn are going to be, you know, still in the focal point, point of the SmackDown story, main storyline. To come, you know, weeks to come. Yeah, but all, all in all, didn't you think this was a pretty good show? Yeah, no, I thought U.S. title match, tag team title match, women's title match, and even the the Harpers and Rowan things. You showed us that one, but it was introduced as monster. Yes, and the the, the tag team match you just talked about, and then the WWE uh, championship match. It was all very well done. Jinder and, Mahal's best match. Do you think Jinder Mahal is done? Does he go back down the rungs of the ladder, back to where he came from? But if he, if he had single match like this, he has to be a main event guy. He works like a main event guy. The reason, the logic though, okay, the reason he lost his match was his Carlos move. He, he wasn't able. He wasn't able able to. In AJ Styles, AJ Styles kicked out. And AJ, if you don't have you know style clashes, 
he still have phenomenal elbow. If he couldn't have phenomenal elbow, you can still have calf, calf crusher. He has like a two or three finishing moves in his sleeves. That's the only reason he was able to win this one. Jinder Mahal only have one finish. You know what I'm saying? It's just kind of simple logic. If well, Jinder Mahal had another big move, he could have won. I would argue that his finish is the Singh brothers. Uh, and even on Talking Smack after the show, uh, both yeah. Renee and uh, Sam were talking about how AJ was able to overcome the 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 uh, the Kallis, and then he was also able to overcome the Singh brothers. And they t- they talked about how Randy Orton couldn't overcome the Singh brothers, and Nakamura couldn't overcome the Singh brothers, but AJ mm. overcame everything. So right, he did. Yeah. So I mean, I unless there's some plan for him, I mean, maybe he could be a U.S. title guy or something, but I just don't know. Yeah, he could be U.S. title guy. Yeah, but he's still up there, I believe. Not going all the way down to mid card or anything. He's maybe, still, he, he's still a star. Maybe he and Dolph Ziggler get into it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that would make Jinder Mahal babyface, because Dolph Ziggler has to be heel. Dolph Ziggler, I think, could pretty much be anything now. Anything, yeah. Ooh, talking about the three, you know, that the triple threat. End of the day into zigzag was very creative. Yeah. Never seen that one, right? Beautiful finish. Yeah, so that was good because he introduced that that uh, um, his end of the day move going in and he snuck from behind and made that into his own zigzag. It, it was very creative. Yeah, I thought it was really, really good. Okay, but we can move on. Yeah, I think we we're good on the... Yeah, uh, but the Clash of Champions, yes, all in all, very, very good show tonight. I think it exceeded expectations. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I didn't fall asleep once. The other thing that uh, we could yeah. talk about is the uh, death of uh, oh, former uh, Tom wrestler Zank? Tom Zank. Yeah, a, Mini- a yes, Minneapolis from Minnesota. guy. Yeah, Minio- yes. a Minneapolis guy. Yes. He was the class of, uh, what, 76? So 76, 77? Yeah, yeah, So yeah. he was in there with, like, Rick Rude and... Uh, Hennig? Yeah, Hennig, yeah. Brady Boone. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And also um, Barry Dursel. You know, the, the Repo Man and the Demolition Smash. Yeah. Barry Dursel. He was also Robinsdale High School. How old? How old is uh, Joe Laurinaitis? Is he younger than Zank? Yes, a year or two. Okay. But he didn't go to uh, Robinsdale. He went to Irondale High School. It's still same Minneapolis, Minneapolis suburb. High, you know, high school. There are so many high schools there. That uh, nearby Henry High School, the Hawk. You know, Joe Laurinaitis went there. I mean, I mean, Mike Mike Hegstrand, Hawk went there. Henry High School, Scott Norton went there, and I believe Nails went there too. Kevin Walkos. Kevin Walkos. Yeah. Which school yeah, did you yeah. go to? He went, uh, Cooper, Cooper, Cooper High School. Um, Wayne Bloom was there. You know, one of the Beverly brothers? Yep. Yeah. Blake Beverly, I believe. I always forget. That sounds right. <laughs> Wayne Bloom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Um, then, then after we graduated, Cooper High School and Robinsdale High School, two high school merged. Now it's Robinsdale Cooper. You know, back then there were so many kids. There were like a 600, 700 uh, kids in one high, in a graduating class. And now not, there aren't that many kids. So Cooper and Robinsdale merged into one school. And now it's called Robinsdale Cooper. Back then, it was two, two different high school. Cooper, Robbinsdale, and Armstrong High School. There were three high schools, like in like in uh, two or three miles distant. It's like I'm talking a lot, a lot, a lot of wrestlers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot, a lot of wrestlers. So was Zank and, uh, around when you were in school in Minnesota? And I I met him after you know way after that, uh, like into mid eighties, like eighty three, eighty four. He was coming out of Eddie Sharkey's, you know, wrestling camp. That the, you know, same wrestling that the camp, the Warriors, the Rick Rude, all those guys trained at. Actually, there was no wrestling school. He rented a racquetball court to train. There was no wrestling ring then, you know. So there's a myth that there was such thing as Eddie Sharkey wrestling schools, all the wrestling ring and all the equipment and weights and all those things. It was never there. He rented a place at one racquetball court and just trained guys there. Did he set up mats or what did they do? Mats, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and everybody, you know, lifted the weight then. So, you know, it was a bunch of guys who, you know, a bunch of guys out of gym who wanted to be wrestlers. You know, Minneapolis was always like really, really like wrestling was popular. And Kurt Hennig was never in a, in a bunch because he was famous wrestler's son, right? And Kurt Hennig was the one who was telling all those guys, oh, you guys will never get into business kind of thing. Later on, they became friends, though. But uh, very beginning, you know, like in late 70s into early 80s, the wrestling, was lot, wrestling business was a lot harder to get into. Yeah. You know, they didn't want you to be wrestler. And uh, when Hawk, Road Warrior Hawk, wanted to be wrestler, then went to Jesse Ventura, you know, asked him, you know, how I start, you know, and I want to be wrestler. And uh, Jesse Ventura told Hawk that you'll never make it, right? So he said, oh, wow, you know. Then asked him so many times, then uh, Jesse Ventura wouldn't tell, you know, these guys, I was trained by Eddie Sharkey. Because two reasons, Eddie Sharkey was blackballed from AWA because they had a Eddie Sharkey had a falling out with Vern Gagne, you know, decades before, and also it would work against these guys that if you are trained by Eddie Sharkey, they wouldn't use you, kind of like that. So he, Jesse Ventura wouldn't tell, and uh, eventually Ventura said, "Okay, if you find the guy Eddie Sharkey, you pay him money, he'll teach you." So that's how so-called Eddie Sharkey Wrestling School started. Yeah, a lot of guys wanted to be wrestlers. So yeah. you knew Tom Zeng a little bit. I know, you know, Tom, as yeah, you mentioned, yeah. was an Eddie Sharkey guy. I saw him around, I think it was 84, 85-ish in Portland. He came... Oh, yeah, that was right after he debuted in yeah. Minnesota. There's aren't too many independent show going. And if you want to have, like full-time wrestling job working every night at, at the, you know like you work around the horn you go Oregon 
You know, you'll be working. They won't pay you much, but you'll be working seven days a week. I remember start, huh? I remember his first interview because rather than saying it's great to be here in Oregon, he said Oregon. And I was like, God, I can't <laughs> believe that wasn't the first thing they smarted him up to because everyone knows if you're an outsider, if you say it, Oregon. But... Oregon. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it's ah. Oregon. <laughs> oh, right. I know, I know. It's a, plus, he made sure that the, this guy is from Midwest, yeah. you know? Well, no, I mean, they yeah. gave him a huge push as far as... Oh, well, he made know, him champion right away. Right away, he was champion, and he never really got beat. He, he, and, he and Scott Doring... Uh, oh, okay, okay. Who was his buddy from Minnesota? Came. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, he didn't really make it, but uh, oh, yes, Scott. Scott Dor- I remember him. Scott Boring. Scott Boring. Oh. oh my God. Well, Tom Zink had a beautiful body and pretty face. Well, he was. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But I mean. Yeah. You know. Uh, you know. Yeah, he was. He was very popular for a while. I don't know that he was like a huge draw for Don Owen, but I mean, things were kind of, kind of, uh, you know, going well, the, down. But the Oregon was a place to learn the craft. Yeah. You yeah, know, you'd but, be working seven days a week. And I think he. And, I think he uh, was the guy who had to follow Billy Jack, and Billy Jack was, you know, huge, ah, really huge for Portland. Ah, how about the. Uh, <laughs> The other guy who became uh, the fourth Von Eric. Yes, Lance I think Von. then then Lance Ricky Von Vaughan? Eric. Yeah, Ricky Vaughn. He was up in Portland. Yeah, it well. was around the same time or a little before that. I think, oh man, I in my mind, and I I I'm pretty sure that it was Billy Jack, Tom Zank, and then Ricky Vaughn. I'm almost positive. Okay, yeah, that really tells us something, you know, because you just not cannot be a good-looking bodybuilder guy. To be a, to be a wrestling star, see all these guys have it, you know. Good looking body, good looking face, and Tom Zink had a beautiful standing drop kick from the day one. You know, that still didn't make him star. Yeah. You know, I saw him in the. You know, everyone remembers him, the Can Am connection, and he left over whatever. We, money oh, with or, Rick Martel. Yeah. Ah. Uh. You know, he didn't probably get along with Rick Martel. That was one of the reasons too, though. Probably. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I think it was, I think it was a lot of different reasons. At least, we, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you know when he when he surfaced years later in WCW, you know he was in he was there at the end of Z-Man. the AW, Well, he was in in there for the end of the AWA when it was dying. He yes, was like yes, the number yes. one contender to Larry Zabisco, and that kind of showed. You oh, really? AW, yeah. He came back. Oh, okay, I wasn't there. There was a, that was already I like eight. Yeah, when when Zabisco yeah. won the title in that battle royal, I think the last person he eliminated was Tom Zank. Oh, okay, okay. Then AWA went down. Yeah. Shortly after. Yeah, but he Between was between his a, yeah AWA and uh, in uh, WWE uh, Minneapolis end of the Minneapolis thing, and between WCW, that was the time Tom Zink came to old Japan and worked pretty much like a f- twelve to fifteen weeks a year. You know, How, three or four tours a I, year. I don't know that I've seen him in in all Japan. I don't recall it. How, I can't imagine yeah. he did well. How did he do? Was all right. Yeah, he carried himself like star, somewhat. That was the same time that you know Doug Furness, Danny Crawford, you know Phil Lafon, and also all those guys started and Johnny S, of course, uh, started working pretty much full time in Japan. That was like right after Tenru and his guys, like if 10, 15 guys left for SWS, short-lived another company. See, 
Baba lost about 15 Japanese guys, so they, he decided to bring in like a, a eight to ten Americans each and every tour. So everybody, so those guys got the pretty much full-time position. Well, then again, Time Zinc was just about the only one who didn't have, didn't get the full-time position then. Was he just like a, was he a middle-of-the-card guy, opening match guy? What was he? I would use the word utility guys because if he was six-man tag team for the main event, he can be in there. If he was single match, he can be in the mid-card. If you tag, you know, make a tag team with people like Johnny Ace or Phil or, 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 or Doug Furness, you will be second from top. So utility kind of guy. Now, let me ask you this. Um, Tom yeah. Zank is, you know, he had difficulty with a lot of promoters and a lot of people. Um, yeah. Did, did he have personal issues with people in Japan? Did he get along with everybody fine? I guess so. He, um, yeah, I guess he, um, good and bad, right? Because he speaks up, you yeah. know? Yeah. And uh, a lot of people, wrestlers, you know, they pretty much learn to keep your mouth shut to keep your job. Whereas Tom Zink was always outspoken in and out of the ring. And he was equally, yeah, equally talented to other guys, you know, with other guys who made it. You know, he was always somewhat political, right? And outspoken. You know, I remember when he came in as the Z Man in 1990, and I thought that he could be a nice mid card signature star for WCW and kind of be that world tv champion maybe a u.s title run you know not like a big big star well he had a tag team with another tailor made you know baby face baby face version of brian pillman right they, they were tag team champions i just but thought, not world tag team champions but u.s tag team champions yeah and i thought that you know he hadn't been overexposed to be seen just as a wwf guy or he didn't really have like a home promotion in the fans eyes and i thought he could have been something but it just yeah. uh you know it just didn't work out due to you know Ole anderson and wanting to cut his salary and what have you yeah he was outspoken and was a cut because he can be just another guy because they thought they could find another guy just like tom zinc right well they thought that they could find a pretty much another anything i mean they tried to make their own road warriors <laughs> they tried a lot yeah, of different right. things it wasn't just zinc they right, thought that right. about. i mean they cut right, billman's right. money yeah, and then it was lost in shuffle again. Then, yeah, it was he was just he was equally talented athletic wise. Yes, he never really fully connected with the fans. Right, right. He probably didn't believe in fans or fanfare. You know that uh, they are all marks or something. <laughs> and, I don't. That's just the way he is, I guess. And also, I think that, you know, I don't know that he necessarily really loved wrestling. I think he might have been in the category of, you know, in the 80s with the body guys, a lot of bodybuilders started and, you know, saw it as an avenue. After Road Warriors. Yeah, right, or a Hogan or whomever, and really tried yeah. to get in and make money and never really loved the business. Yeah, he, but still, he was a wrestling fan growing up, though. Okay, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, and then also he had 
you know, this bond with Minnesota guys, you know, after he retired, he had a, before social media, everybody had their your own website, right? You know, Tom Zink had his own web page, website, and there was a power plant page that he listed all the Minnesota alumni as friends, you know, guys that are no longer like a Brady Boone. He died in car accident, Rick Rude. He didn't live to see his, he was, he was dead by age 40, right? Yep. And all those guys' picture was list. Uh, Nikita Koloff in his high school picture, John Nord in his high school photo, um, Barry Durso, um, all those guys in high school photos. So he kept the high school wallet picture because you won't find it, right? Before they were famous. Tom Zing kept all those wallet photos that you exchange in high school. He must have kept it. So I feel that he had love in like a local, you know, like a Minnesota friends, you know. Yeah. He uh, obviously gained a lot of fame in the early 2000s. He did the Law radio show. He did uh, Iyata's uh, Wrestling Observer on Iyata. I had a radio show out of Portland, Oregon then, and I had him uh, on my show. And, you know, we talked a lot about his time in Portland. We talked yeah. you know, some about WWE and WCW. And, yeah, and, he, and then like he turned into an expose guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess. And, you know, I didn't know him or anything like that. Um, I know that he, you know, for all of his public talking about the business, he was very guarded about his private life. Um, I know that. Um, But also, um, what's the best way to put this? I guess what I'm saying is that I knew watching him as a fan, you know, that there was something more to him. I just didn't know what it was. And I certainly didn't realize that he was so outspoken and so opinionated about everything. Yeah, yeah. And he was bitter because um, other guys come out of Minnesota, you know, Minneapolis crowd that everybody else was a little bigger star than he was, you know? But there are tons of guys who, you know, who debuted but didn't make it. Like, if you remember guys like a T. Joe Khan or something like that, you know? And, uh, Timing is everything. He, yeah, but he was talented enough to be signed with WWF, WWE right away. And he was with New All Japan. He was with New Japan and WCW. And he had experience with all the major companies. Right, he wrestled in, you know? uh, in Quebec. Yeah, that too, huh? Yeah. yeah. And also he worked Montreal too. Yeah. In the very end of the territory days. Yeah. Oh, that's what, where he met Rick Martel. Well, know? that was the thing. He, when he talked on my show, he mentioned that that's the reason that he left Don Owen is because Martel promised him a big spot in Montreal, Quebec, saying, um, you know, well, you can make more money if you come there. And then he ended up not doing that. And even mm. he said that it would have been better for his career if he would have stayed and learned more while he was in Portland. And it would have probably benefited his career more. Yeah, and then what Tom Zink told me right after his WWE, you know, tenure was that Rick Martel told him that, the, but we can be tag team champions. And Tom Zink said, I'm not a mark about the prop. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, because Rick Martel told him to stay because can be tag- they can be tag team champions soon. But that wouldn't 
change his mind. You know, he, he wouldn't stay in a company because he can be tag team champions. He said, I'm not a mark. One thing that <laughs> was know? unique about the Can-Am yeah. connection, their tag team with Rick Martel and the WWF in 87, mm-hmm. was yeah. that, you know, the WWE didn't ever really push, like, sexy. They never really pushed like hey these are pretty guys and in my mind i can't think of anybody really before then that they did but i think the can-am connection was kind of the first like um act in wwf at least in the vince mcmahon i don't even think it did in the in vince mcmahon senior but that they marketed toward women and marketed for sex appeal even during their brief time okay okay probably I mean, I can't think of any, I mean, I could be wrong, but they definitely were sort of like, kind of like the, uh, the answer to the rock and roll express for WWF that they got a, they got kind of a pretty boy tag team. And the probably Vince McMahon's eyes that the tag team division is less of a importance, you know, compared to single competition, because as soon as Shawn Michaels was the guy to push that the the rockers was broken off see if you know uh if you remember guys like paul roma and what's his tag team partner jim powers Uh, yeah yeah that's not a pretty boy mid-card baby face tag team right that probably for vince mcmahon that the baby face tag team is not very important no you're right yeah because if you are good enough, you, this guy will be made to a single com- you know, competitor instead of keeping your tag team. Any but other thoughts? This might, yeah. Any other yeah, well, thoughts this on might be, uh, Yeah, this might be useless trivia, but uh, what was Doug Furness and Phil LaFont's tag team name in Japan? They were Can-Am Express got the can canada and america can um, express so they must have got the name from that the tom zinc's former name quite possibly yeah yeah can them connection yeah well canada and one's canadian and one's american so it's a kind of easy one but the can them connection name wouldn't have been you know, made unless there was another can them express connection yeah so if you do want to hear one of the interviews I did with Tom Zank in 2001, yes, yes. Uh, you yeah. can find it on my Twitter. There's a link to the uh, PW Torch oh, okay. uh, website, ah, the PW Torch Livecast. You can listen to the – it's free, and you can listen to yeah. it it's about an hour or so. It's just, like, you know, like a really freaky because Tom Zink, you know, this is bad. He died, you know, a couple, you know, like a couple weeks ago, but uh, – um, everybody, he was the last one from that, the Robinsdale class of 77, you know, Kurt Hennig, Brady Byrne, Rick Rude, you know, oh, Barry Durso is still around, but, uh, you know, most of the guys he grew up with, it's gone. It's really sad. Yeah. And, uh, maybe we should, uh, it's a Tom Zink made it to 59 years old. Maybe that's like longer than people thought maybe i don't know but it's just these guys kind of like die like they they're expired or something you know what i'm saying you know the a lot of the guys who uh, worked that hard schedule and did what they needed to do to look the way they looked at and, the time yes um yeah. you know i think i i don't know that, i don't know that there's one 
intoxicant that that causes the early deaths i'm under the opinion that it's a lot of different things but yeah uh, yeah you know maybe the fact that he got out earlier than most uh, helped him survive a little Uh, longer who knows yeah yeah but he was still connected to business and he spoke you know well he got real quiet like like last two years yes yeah he's 2002 maybe and the belief is the speculation is that maybe someone in wrestling maybe told him to be quiet otherwise you know maybe he would get sued or something like that and that is mere speculation and i don't mm, want to mm. say who but, but that's you the speculation. have you know you wouldn't you know lose connection or this love for this business that because i uh, when i saw his own website and uh robinsdale high school power plant thing he's like wow this guy really have you know he cherishes memory with old friends you know it was like if you remember the last scene of American Graffiti movies, you know, Beach Boy music, you know, all summer long music, and all those guys who appeared in movies saying, you know, this Richard Dreyfus, this you know Paul Lamott guy, you know, died in Carson, he lives in Canada as a writer, and you know that the missing in action in Vietnam. If you remember the last scene of American Graffiti movie, it was kind of like that, you know like have a feeling and just cherish his memory with his old childhood friends. You know, it's really sad, you know, and he became one of them now, you know? I know that he was also very sad about the death of Brian Pillman because they were very close too. Oh, they were tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. It's just, uh, it's just a whole bunch of guys just died too young, you know, and it hasn't stopped, you know? So, Tom Zanks, um, another the anniversary of a death this week. Uh, a lot of people have already talked about it. We've talked about him a lot. The on father the show. of Japanese wrestling? Oh, Ricky yes. Ricky Dozan. Yes, December 15th was his m- 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 memorial. He was a father of professional wrestling in Japan. And I think he, they should, or they or we, or this country, Japan, should make national holidays because he was not just wrestling heroes, but uh, much like Gorgeous George, he was the very first television superstar. You know, like early 50s to mid 50s, the people start buying television set at home, right? Still black and white TV. But um, this growth of TV audience and popularity of wrestling, you know, goes hand to hand because a lot of people bought television so they can watch Ricky Dozen. And uh, professional wrestling became so popular because of TV, but the TV became popular because of Ricky Dozen too. So it goes hand to hand, really, in this country. That big, that man was that big. You were thinking that uh, maybe the anniversary of his death, or what What day do you think should be a national holiday? Uh, December 15th. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The day he died. Was it like, was it 15, or was I mistaken? But it was like 54 years ago, yes. Yes. This, yeah, December 15th, I believe. Yeah. But uh, this time of the year, we talk about Ricky Dozen. And then a lot of people, wrestling fans, wrestlers, all visit his, you know, memorial site, the graveyard, the, the 
the photo was taken in in, the, in front of his statue and all those things. He people still visit him today. I saw in on Twitter. I think it was uh, Alan Blackstock, who's on Twitter under Alan Cheapshot from Britain. He posts okay. a lot of uh, gifs or gifs, whatever you want to call them, and he had one a short video clip of uh, Luthez walking ah, into okay. uh, his grave and honoring Ricky Dozan. Right. Oh, every time Luthes was in town, he made sure that you know, he visited there. You know, uh, Luthes was popular superstar up until his death. You know, like you know, eighty-some-year-old Luthes coming into Japan and in, in, you know, sports paper or wrestling magazine still right up, and the generations after generations of journalists still wanted to interview Luthes. You know. And Luthes had a lot of respect for Ricky Dozen as a pioneer, you know, start wrestling business in, in, in one country and made this so big. You know, Japan is still number two country in the world, right? As far as wrestling goes. America, Japan, then probably Mexico, you know? So let's get to the question yeah. that a yeah. lot of people want to know from last yeah. week. Uh, Chris huh. Jericho's press conference where he got into the brawl with Kenny Omega. Yeah. People want to yeah. know, Fumi Saido, did you write that down the way Chris Jericho told you down, to? Yes. yes, I wrote it down. Write it down. right? So Yes, sir, I wrote it down. Yeah, it's like sometimes I know him, right? So it's like I tried not to be seen or I, I was still way up on in, uh, you know on the ta- press conference table I was I sat there very quietly I took notes Kenny Omega came in first and did his interview and I wrote down all those you know whatever he was written saying that uh, yes uh, I, he Chris Jericho took advantage of me uh, because of the, the or, or the fact that the uh, Kenny Omega has a lot of respect for you know Chris Jericho and Chris Jericho's success, and he was somebody he was look up, you know, he would always look up to. Then Jericho took advantage of you know him, and uh, um, it was the first time that somebody purposely injuring him. There was a time there was blood in the ring. He missed moonsault or landed on a chair or something, and he cut his, you know, and then got blood and everything. But this time, he, Jericho, Jericho, um, that uh, came from behind. That's what you, he would do in Monday Night Raw. And all those very good interview, and I took all the notes. Then there was, then he left. Then Chris Jericho came in the ring, uh, came into the room and sat and started talking. Then Kenny Omega ran back to the room and started brawling. And everything was videotaped. Everything was photographed. Yeah. So, so that's the video footage they were going to be showing over and over the next three weeks until January 4th. Yeah. How was it received? A lot of speculation, in, eh? How was it received in Japan? Oh, it became a lot bigger, a lot bigger because... You know, if Jericho didn't show up, it would be like a pretty cold three weeks until January, right? Four weeks, yeah. That the match was announced and everything, and uh, they try to make it. Yes, this is one one time deal only, and this is the match you you know you don't want to miss and be there. But uh, Chris Jericho himself showing up, not to have a match, but big surprise, he showed up in building and attacked. 
uh, uh, attack Kenny Omega from behind and uh, do uh, do hit the guy with championship belt and juiced him, everything. That was a necessary angle. And everything was videotaped. So it was really, really good. I thought. This became more of a talk about town, you know. Chris Jericho showed up all the way from Florida just to do that, right? Yeah. Other than that, it could have been cold, you know? Now, they were the only two wrestlers who were there for the press conference. There was no... That's right. That's yeah. right. So, did you know anything about this? Was there any hint that this was going to happen? I mean, all the brawl and uh, <laughs> angles and all that. Yeah. I knew they were going to videotape everything. But uh, just like they were saying, you know, at the beginning, it was gentleman's challenge, right? Who is better? You know, one superstar to another, you know, uh, the same kind background in Japan, you know, coming to Japan, relatively unknown and young, but stayed and grew up in Japan to become superstar, right? Very similar background. And both are from Winnipeg, Canada, and both pretty much spoke the language. Um, actually, Kenny Omega speaks pretty fluent Japanese, and Jericho does speak Japanese, but he speaks like wrestlers, you know. And uh, but but everybody uh, understand their similarity. And one's 47 years old, Chris Jericho, and Kenny Omega's 34. So it was more of a handing down the torch, superstar torch kind of gentleman's challenge. But it did become grudge match. That's how you built, I mean, like a textbook, you know, building the heat. Simple storyline, but it really believable and works. Don't you think? So... Yeah, a couple of days and plus, this was, yeah yeah go ahead it's okay um so you think it has generated more interest for this match in japan yes by having chris jericho actually coming to japan for five you know four day period and did everything he needed to do um fukuoka running and the press conference and the following day he had like a five six magazine sports page interviews that was an interview day for him that you know other people um, not me you know but sports pages other wrestling magazines more younger writers and younger journalists who sat down with Chris Jericho and did the like a newspaper uh, and wrestling magazine interviews you know younger writers you know or journalists um, they think Chris Jericho is larger than life superstar right so yeah, they they were no, they were no, all nervous to have time, you know, to actually sit down with Chris Jericho and do, you know, long interview, and it worked, you know. Yeah, but a lot of speculation now, right? Would he be doing the match again in Japan, or is did he sign contract with New Japan Wrestling, or is he working other company rather than WWE in America too? Also, or what if he wins IWGP US Heavyweight Title from Kenny, that uh, Chris Jericho has to come back and defend that title? Was a lot, a lot, a lot of respect, you know, speculation now, right? What are you? Well, let me ask you this. Um, a couple of yeah. days later, there was another press conference. Yeah. And uh, let's talk Naito. about and Naito exactly. Yeah, what did he What right. did he say? 
he said was like um he um he has to uh, he feels that uh, why new japan has to really um uh, it was like a, didn't bring up the name wwe but uh Naito being healed, of course, but uh, he was saying like, why I, he doesn't know why this company is kissing up the American company. Made it sound like New Japan is kissing up WWE to take care of Jericho. That's why they made it into double main event. It's still that the Naito um, Okada match still will be the last match at the Tokyo Dome, no? So Jericho Kenny Omega match will be second to top but they are still labeled as double main event, equal. But Okada and Naito will still come out at the at, at last, though. But do you think but fans... Naito said he was not happy about being double main event. This was going to be his night. But it's a storyline, storyline interview, though. Well, that's the question. Yeah. If he calls I mean, out Jericho, to... the, specu- yeah? the speculation is that maybe Jericho beats Omega, maybe yeah. then <clears throat> Naito beats Okada. Single match. And maybe yeah. then we're building toward Jericho and Naito. That's only speculation because Jericho himself believes, um, and I believe too, that the, this Kenny Omega-Jericho um, match won't mean as much unless this is one-shot deal. It only happens once, and don't miss it kind of thing right I mean you have to believe it you know that it is it means a lot because this is one shot deal and this is a very special night you won't miss you know want to miss yeah but at least you know to be um the, the, the to look up look at Jericho's schedule he has all the Fuzzy concert booked all the way till end of April he's not even working WrestleMania this year. And his boat thing, you know, Jericho, on, Jericho and Fazi on, on, on the cruise from Miami to Bahama, that's in October. So uh, April, um, May, June, July, August, maybe he has opening. So that's when people think, well, Jericho might be working G1, G1 Climax or something, right? I doubt that. Because that can be done. I, yeah, I he, mean not not the G1 climax, but the the very last night of the G1 climax that to have a special match at the Sumo Palace or something, or September Yokohama Arena date or something. What about a Dominion I, show? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, like a one big show kind of. Yeah, but I kind of don't think he will um, sell this. You know. Um, less show he worked, the better, you know. Uh, let's say he's doing like a free agent Hulk Hogan 20 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Actually, Jericho now is older than Hulk Hogan back then, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're still here, but... Uh, you know, 20 years ago don't seem that long ago, but for younger fans, 20 years is a very, very long time, you know? And for younger fans' eyes, Chris Jericho is larger-than-life superstar. And yeah, he so is. he's a legend, no question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And well, I, think I also- just don't think, yeah, we should jump on to that. Uh, okay, Naito and Jericho next time. I kind of don't think it's in, in the making. I don't think it is either, but you have to talk about the speculation, and I had to ask you to get the You're right. Oh, but a lot of people say a lot of things, though, because wrestling fans will say a lot of things, you know? And also, it's a social media era that uh, those the people, you know, people talk about and talk about a lot of things, but that will be on Twitter, that will be on Facebook. Then people you know, read about it and talk about it more, and more information's out there. It doesn't necessarily have to be that accurate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Any word on Jericho how- makes sure that the people don't know. <clears throat> he will make sure that the, that doesn't get out. I did not know he was going to be in Fukuoka. You know? Oh, he's the king of kayfabe. There's no question about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was good, huh? And you I'm- know, he flew in. Yeah. And I got to be honest with you, I realize that he probably will not be at WrestleMania, but I'm not going to be the one ruling that out. Right, right. He's already booked that night at the New Hampshire or something for Fuzzy Date, but he can always cancel one night, you know? Or, you know, there's always the McMahon private jet waiting somewhere. You never know. I'm just saying. Just to show up for <laughs> 20 minutes? Yep. Do a run-in <laughs> yeah, on Kevin Owens' match. Do a run-in on Kevin Owens' match. Yeah, and then uh, and then he leaves. Yeah, you know, and Jericho has left the building. I wouldn't surprise. He might like that, huh? But I, oh, I wouldn't it surprise it. me. Either. That's fun. It's kind of <laughs> yeah, but that's a possibility. Yes. Yeah. So here's what we need to do, by the way, since we're talking about Tokyo Dome and everything. Um, yeah. Looking at our calendar, if we were to judge by the calendar, we have a show to do next week sometime during Christmas. We'll figure that out. And yeah, then yeah. I can, I can, we can do it on, uh, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll talk off yes. the air and figure that out. But <laughs> thinking, I might know, I might hear more about it. You yeah. Know? Um, but yeah. also we have, so we have two more shows before the Tokyo Dome. Okay. So the show before the Tokyo Dome, whether we do it on. I mean, you're talking about New Japan? Yes. 17th and, and 18th. So it's already yesterday and today. Right. So I'm talking and, about, uh, yeah. So the, before the fourth, we have yeah. two more shows to do. Yeah. If we get two more shows in. The show before we do the... But the show before the Tokyo Dome, I need your predictions. Of New Japan card? Correct. Lineups? Yes. Oh, I'm not very good at those, though. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Then what Uh, good are you? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's that's because I never see... Every year, every summer, you know, we do the speculation who's going to win G1 tournament, and I was never right on that. (laughs) You know? Think too much or something. I'm not very good at that, really. I admit. All right. Well, we'll figure that. Out. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is there anything we should also, we should talk about on the uh, the Tokyo Dome? Tokyo. Oh, I'll know more about it um, next five days or so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get more material ready. All right. Um, you were at the uh, last All Japan show of the year. That's an. I mean, that is another yes. story. That's yes. maybe the second biggest story of the year for Japan. Is is the the surge in popularity? Real tag team tournament. Yeah, yeah. and the uh, like forty, uh, you know, second annual. I mean, some tag team tournament lasting forty two years in a row. Oh my gosh! Right. Yeah, and then I, I feel old that I've watched all 42 of them. <laughs> <laughs> Bad, huh? Oh, That's all good. Good to be a wrestling fan. Sure. You know? 
Yeah, but the Suama and Shuji Ishikawa, it's just not fair. The two biggest guys that, you know, making team, you know. But, oh, for that night, I think Yoshitatsu, just like Jinder Mahal had his best performance tonight, I believe, Yoshitatsu himself, Yoshitatsu had his best performance that night, you know. Well, I mean, losing. But... Yeah, but when you're you're in the ring again, you know, Jinder Mahal, you know, was his opponent was the best wrestler in the WWE, and when you're tagging right with now. the biggest star in New Japan, in all Japan, you probably do need to yeah. step up your game. Yeah, but uh, he um, he almost naturally that gave up his character during the match. He sold it like he was gonna get killed, you know. And the people were really behind him, like real, you know. It's like no more flashy thing or no fringe thing or no flashy moves. He just kept selling and kicking out big moves. Kept selling and kicking out of big moves. Like, oh wow, people are really behind Yoshitatsu for real, and something really changed within fans' mind, but I believe Yoshitatsu's mind that something changed that night. Did he get the rub for Miyahara? Uh, well, the more, it looks like Miyahara was the happy one to be teaming with Yoshitatsu instead of Yoshitatsu being happy being teamed with Miyahara. You know, it wasn't the, the other way around because you still have this former WWE superstar aura in the ring, you know. But when when once the match starts, you gonna forget that that the content of match really matters, you know. And uh, he worked like a regular Japanese guys instead of ex WWE superstar, and uh, he was real to people. You know, yeah, this is what we want to see. And Yoshitatsu finally became a real person, you know, instead of all the fringe, you know, that was hidden, you know. So real feeling was there, I think. I thought that was Yoshitatsu's best performance thus far, you know. And uh, he will have a pretty good year uh, next year, 2008. I mean, 2018, people have different attitude towards you know, Yoshitatsu, like a new guy now, you know. He's real, that uh, he's here to stay. And he's not going to walk around like he's he's a big superstar, but more like he will be an uh, underdog aiming for a triple crown or something, you know. You see, even in wrestling, you have to believe in the guy, right? Do you think that all Japan can keep this momentum going? We'll keep him. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's better for Yoshitatsu to work all Japan than uh, going back to New Japan. I don't think he's under contract. He's a free agent, I believe. You know? And he should work full-time with all Japan now. You know, next week we should probably maybe talk about the year in review in, in, uh, in Japanese wrestling. But I do think, again, like I said, I think one of the biggest stories of the year is the resurgence of of yeah. all japan all japan and also yes. i mean yes. a lot of different companies have seen some increases in attendance across the board big japan yeah stardom yep yeah 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 i think so the wrestling's popular again i'm i'm happy yeah and every week there's like a even on week nights you know weekdays there are some shows you can go to and if you lived in Tokyo, 
you know, good to be wrestling fan in Japan, right? Or if you lived in Tokyo, you know, or what show should, should we go to tonight? <laughs> you know? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. And like, like I said, maybe, maybe next week we can talk about maybe some people that you like. That or January we... schedule. Oh yeah. New Year's holiday into, uh, yeah. End of the year holiday into New Year holiday in the first week of January. You'd be crazy if you lived in Japan. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll cover that next week. We've got too much news. Yes. We've had so much news. It's crazy. Yeah. That's right. I always said we we're going to talk about it this week, but next week we'll talk about your suggestions for the January 4th week when people come. And how to spend your week here. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so I'll you, do that. You mentioned stardom. They were in the news because Ring of Honor unveiled its new Women of Honor world title or Women of Honor title. And uh, yeah. they said they're going to use women of stardom. Yeah, and Mayu, yeah, Iwatani. Yeah. He She's a, good. Yeah. And who? She who, was at the RH show just yeah. the And so was the, who's the president? Uh, Rasi, Rasi Ogawa. R O S S Y Ogawa. Yeah. Rasi Ogawa, who was a producer with All Japan Women's for like last, you know started like 1978 all the way till you know until the end and he had a company called Arceon. he had company called a to z and he almost was was gonna give up but uh um he started this new company called stardom six six years ago seven years ago now that uh, this is going to be his baby company and he wants to do it until the end <laughs> yeah very good very good promoter very good producer Good friend of mine, Rasi Ogawa. So, what do you think? He about... was also responsible for signing Medusa too, back in '89. What do you and think about Ras... them work, working with uh, with uh, with um uh, with, Simmer uh, with, and uh, Rise and um I think they will have pretty good network women's wrestling in America and Japan, and they are planning on something big like a summit next year, next July probably. Yeah, you know, like a summit or the world leaders come to one place. Do you think that'll be here or there? Uh, in Japan, yes. All the American stars from Shimmer, the Rise, or the, the existing, you know, East Coast, West Coast women's company, um, they will come to Tokyo and have some kind of summit. I believe. Interesting. July, probably. Yeah. Can you hear me? I can hear you fine. Anything else about yeah. uh, Stardom we should talk about? Uh, Stardom is, a, is a, the most popular women's company in Japan. There are about 15 women's companies just out of Tokyo. That's crazy, right? But uh, I, uh, so to be honest, I don't follow all the groups, you know, so uh, um, probably younger fans know more about women's companies in general but uh, i do follow stardom from the beginning and uh, stardoms they have their own you know that uh, streaming channel much like new japan world and smaller scale but the wwe network stardom has their own channel on internet and that's the women's only women's company that has that and a lot of people overseas are signing signing it do you think uh, Ao Shirai lasts the year 2018 in stardom? Well, uh, overall. Yeah, you think she stay? Is she home for good? 
Who? Ayo Shirai. Yeah, I think she's here for good because um, she um, probably her neck is still bothering, you know, and then somewhat she has to work limited schedules. Yeah, yeah. That's too bad. She's so, really yeah. Talented. I'm pretty sure she'll be staying here. Yeah. She's great. I wish her the best. I'm big. Oh gosh, she's very, very talented. Yeah. Yeah, and she has strong leadership in you know like a, he's a locker room, locker room reader and leader, and also she trains young, young girls and uh, um, oh she uh, yeah they definitely need you here. Yeah. So the uh, the Tokyo Sports newspaper gave out its annual awards. Uh, yeah. Any thoughts Two, three on Three years in a row? Yeah. Any yeah. Th- on Naito winning again? Yeah. Not too many people won MVP, most valuable player, two years in a row. So, yeah, for people's eyes, yes, Naito is the star. And that people would probably think this is Naito's night, uh, January 4th I'm talking about. This would be Naito's night to finally win the IWGP title from Okada. Is that what, yeah. That's what's leading up to. I don't know because I think Okada will keep the title this time still. I don't know. I may not be the you know best person to ask this one. <laughs> Sure. But I mean, there have been years in the past where, you know, given Tanahashi and Okada, and uh, we thought that uh, Okada was going to win and Tanahashi went over and it took him, what, three tries to finally Mm -hmm, win mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at the Tokyo Dome. So, Okay. How many tries did Naito have? Right. Yeah. So don't know yet. In Japan, in historically, though, winning... Winning singles title is like a passing torch, right? Almost. So certain champion keep this singles world title quite long time, you know? And, uh, yeah, if Naito wins, that would make Okada, you know, like a ex-champion and a challenger again. And uh, I just don't see the picture yet, you know? I might be wrong, okay? Uh, no, I think I, I, you know, given what we've seen in the past, I, I'm not sure that you're necessarily wrong. I think it's a valid point. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen, but I don't know. No, based on history, you can't rule it out that Okada is going to retain. Still, yeah, it still makes sense, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't have an. The most popular guy is Naito, though. No doubt about it. Most popular guy is Naito, even though he's heel. You know, more trendy superstar, you know. But not knowing, it's hard to, you know, speculate result. That is very good title match. Yeah, that would make very good title match, right? Yeah, not so predictable, you know? Yeah. Well, I think it's one of the best things about Japanese wrestling versus... American wrestling, it's like Jinder Mahal loses one time tonight, and the question is, is he done? And I think a lot of people are speculating that he goes down the card, and Naito, in theory, could lose this January 4th and be back in the main event next year. Mm. Mm. Yeah, all all those speculations, each and every one of the speculations, make certain sense you know yeah you know so it's hard 
So you just yeah. talked about them, Suwama and Ishikawa. Uh, they won the uh, the tag team of the year. Tag, annual tag team tournament, and they'll keep keep as a team. Yeah. Now they're going after a world tag team title, which is you know held by Omori and Akiyama, who are seniors. You know, so it'll be interesting. That will be more of a passing torch or generation, uh, younger generation against uh, the, the senior generation. The funny thing is, though, funny thing is, though, Ishi- both Ishikawa and Swama, both over 40. <laughs> so much of a young generation, right? Late what bloomers. Most outstanding was Yamato from Dragon Gate. Ah, okay, okay, okay. He probably was, yeah. And also technical wrestler Hideki Suzuki, Billy Robinson student. Yeah. So, and he's uh, the Big Japan Strong World Heavyweight Champion. He lost, like yesterday. Oh, okay, I didn't hear that. I hadn't heard, caught yeah. that. I'm sorry. Yeah, he dropped the title, like yesterday. Yeah. To who? In Yokohama. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. I'm not so good at... It's yeah, okay. He I'm... lost the title, yeah. Yeah, I've had so much family stuff, and I've got the new job and everything. I didn't catch that. <laughs> yeah, it's, the name's escaping. I'm sorry. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Let's see here. We mentioned, uh, did we talk about Shibata, the Fighting Spirit Award? Yes. Oh, he, he's a very spiritual, you know, very inspiring. And uh, if he doesn't have one more match, that is fine. He had great career, you know, that inspired a lot of people. And it's, uh, if he had head injury... Don't please don't come back. It's like he's done enough for wrestling fans, you know. Sacrifice his body and soul, right? You, you know, know, it's always. I mean, through. sad no matter what happens to anybody. But you consider that he sort of was finally breaking through to that next yeah. level, and then that headbutt. It's yeah. Sad. Yeah. But he's doing yeah, much but, better uh, than anybody expected. I think that's the good news. Yeah, because some people didn't think he was going to walk again, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So don't sacrifice again, you know. He's done enough for people. And uh, we already have his great matches on video. And, uh, you know, that's like him coming back for another match is like almost too much asking, I think. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Rookie of the year, Yuma Aoyagi. Aoyagi, old Japan guy. Yeah. They, yeah, he's, he's good. He's a very promising young guy. Yeah. It's just too bad that the old Japan video and, and the videotapes are not as widely distributed, you know? They don't have strong television show. And they don't even produce the DVD that much, you know? And they don't even have their own, you know, streaming channels or anything like that. So those areas and, and those, you know, aspects that the old Japan need to improve a little bit, you know, more updated to technology, you know. Who votes on the Tokyo Sports Awards? Uh, independent journalists, and I don't vote for all Japan at the Tokyo Sports. At the, each newspaper sports section and the senior editors, all those you know, people and full-time employee of Tokyo Sports newspaper, they have each one vote each. There's like a 40 votes to you know everybody. I'm not in, you know. How yeah. big of a deal is it to win for, for wrestlers? Um, it depends how you look at it because 
uh, when they started, like in mid seventies, <laughs> mid seventy, uh, early seventies, like a seventy four, seventy five ish, that still forty years ago, right? That that was the only time that the giant Baba and Antonio Inoki be photographed in the same room. That was a big deal. So they came up with an award called Wrestler of the Year and Most Valuable Player, MVP, which is greater, right? So they did that to placate both Baba and Inoki is what you're saying. Right, right, at the time. But uh, to have all the old Japan guys and all the new Japan guys and Inoki and Baba come to the same room and be photographed, that was the only time in the year or only time in any you know that uh, era that uh, Baba and Inoki would be photographed together so that was the big deal then but there are so many companies after 90s so it became more more of a yeah who's hot this year well and also one of the things I know that Dave has talked about that they do is they try to spread the awards around yeah to to make it even yeah each company wins something you know yeah, when UWF was there, that the Maeda would would be honored something, and Takada would be honored something, and uh, Onita would be special award or something like that, right? Kind of political. Yeah, kinda very political. So I wanted to talk about a yeah. guy. You know, we've talked about different people who have come over to the United States and if made their name or maybe not made their name and sometimes they're seen as a as a failure other times they're seen as it wasn't their fault uh Hideo Itami Kenta. Kenta yeah okay okay then this will be our last subject today yeah huh? yeah yeah we've got uh, this is yeah it's like a, he he was injured twice in three years you know and it wasn't his fault but then again it's part of the, the you know the you know the reality too that uh, well I I'd say this 205 live and being cruiserweight is nothing to be ashamed of, and this run this run uh, Hideo Itami is his, this run with 205 will be his very good I I wouldn't want to say his final chance final opportunity but the, this time he can be the focal point of the 205 Live show. And also, by being on 205 Live, he will still uh, also be featured on Monday Night Raw. You know, they always have one cruiserweight storyline within three hours Raw, right? Pretty much every week. You know, like uh, Tyler O'Neill and Napolo Cruz, the, you know, Enzo, the Tony Nese, the one, you know, one segment always have 205 lives. So, Ken, not the Kent, I'm sorry. Hideo Itami will be making more appearance with Monday Night Raw from now on. That sounds good, though, right? I think if if they let him be himself... Uh, yeah. You know, there's such a toned down style on 205 Live that I think is very discouraging. And, uh, you know, one of the things that was great about WCW and Monday Nitro was they let the cruiserweights be cruiserweights. And you got to see Ultimo Dragon and Rey Mysterio Jr. and Eddie Guerrero when he Psychosis, was lighter. And, yeah, Psychosis and all that. Psychosis and the Luchadors and all of that. You know, that was sure. awesome. And it was so modern and it was, you know, mind-blowing and revolutionary at the time. And, 
you know, I'm not saying that let them be the young bucks. Um, but at the same time, I think you do need to open, let them run a little bit and do a few more things. I mean, I get that they want to minimize injuries and things like that and concussions, yeah. and that's a good thing. But I think they do need to give them a little more leeway to be a little, at least a little bit more spectacular. And it did seem like Hideo Itami found something when he got to be a heel. And I hope that he gets to continue that character because I think that can be his saving grace to one, saving his body, and two, being able to communicate in the ring with an American audience. By being, you know, 205 Live this time, like he is being repackaged, right? And uh, it's almost like a another debut atmosphere kind of thing. So I expect that that uh, he'll be one of the top guys with 205 Live. Yes. I think. Well, I hope so. Yeah. I hope I mean how do you think how is his run in Japan looked at looked like? Well, he was a special guy, very small though, very small, but and so not like, you know, you he was not exactly Kobashi Misawa-sized guys, you know. He's always smaller, but he was so talented, so talented that, yes, he was always very special. And, uh, yeah, uh, the, the only thing that stopped him in America was like a two, two major injuries, you know. And uh, this time, this might be his, I don't want to say final, but... Uh, this is his opportunity to shine again. Let's hope. So next week, we will talk about your suggestions on what to do if you're going to Japan, <laughs> particularly if it's for the first time. Yeah. And then we'll also talk about the uh, the news. And also, if we have time, um, somebody on Twitter, I think it was Wrestler Weekly, tweeted out a picture of Stan Hansen and someone, I, I'll check his name for next week, but mentioned yeah. that he, saw it, he thought that Stan was the greatest gaijin ever in the history of japan and so i wanted to talk about who you think and i thought well yeah he's probably right and i thought he probably is though i was yeah. thinking the only other person who could be in the conversation is probably dick buyer different generation yeah right but yeah. you know if you're talking are we talking generation or we're talking all time then we're talking all time but Anyway, yeah, that's, there might that's be so kind of hard to say, you know, the 60-year span and the, who is the best guy, you know? It is. And when you talk about Stan Hansen, you also have to talk about Brother Brody. Right. And certainly Brody, I think, had he lived, um, you know, may, may or may not have surpassed Hansen. But unfortunately, what happened, happened. Right, and also Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody. I always say you cannot compare apple with orange, you know, or sun and moon, you know. You think they're that different? See, I would say apple with yeah. maybe a different variety of apple. Apple and orange, yeah, maybe. No, I would say um, like maybe a, a Fuji apple and a, <laughs> and a golden crisp or something. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, yeah. But they're, they're, they're not so similar, you know what I mean? But we can Very talk different. about that next week. Yes, yes. All right, then. Well, I think this has been our longest show, almost 90 minutes of us jabbering oh, on. Oh, my gosh. I know, right? Um, but uh, people get bored. I'm sorry. Oh, I don't think so. I think we gave them a lot of uh, good information. And I, by the way, I do hear 
Uh, I think Dave Meltzer is definitely listening to the show. So hi, Dave. Thank you for listening. Really? Really? I enjoy okay. your stuff. Hi, Dave. I'm a big Dave fan. Okay. But I know that he yeah. listens because sometimes I hear him talk about the stuff that we talk about. So, And I love that, by the way. I enjoy that. That's, That's not a nice. criticism. Yeah, no, I'm happy that someone as knowledgeable and respected as he um, listens and also uses some of our topics. I'm sincerely honored by that. So thank you. Okay, very good. All right, then. Uh, to follow you on Twitter, where do they follow you? Fumihiko Dayo. F-U-M-I-H-I-K-O-D-A-Y-O at Twitter. And Fumi Saito on Facebook. Yes. You can find me at Jim Valley, J-I-M-V-A-L-L-E-Y on Twitter and also Jim Valley on Facebook as well. So be sure to add us. I've noticed a few extra ads, so that's great. I appreciate the uh-huh. feedback from people tweeting about the show. So please thank you for that and share the thank show you. more. Yes, definitely share the show more if you're liking it. So please do. Okay. Until next time. So long from Tokyo. <laughs>